Welcome to another episode of CX Talks. I'm your host again today, Tom Carpenter, one of our CX specialists here at Clarisys. I'm joined by Sarah Rigby and Simon Bloss, who I'll let introduce themselves in just a moment. This is actually part of a podcast series. Please do watch the first one, which introduces four themes on how to successfully drive a digital transformation. Those themes are business, organization, customer, and technology. And we'll be doing a deep dive on each of those four areas. So you can check out a deep dive on business, organization, customer, technology separately. This one today, we're going to be talking about business specifically, which we'll get into a little bit more, but alignment to business strategy, how you do something achievable and measurable um, and impactful. At this point, I'll hand over to Sarah to introduce herself. Hi, I'm Sarah Rigby. I'm one of our CX specialists in the business, and I've worked quite a lot with both large and smaller organizations to help them on the digital transformation from the very start through to implementation. Sarah is one of our do-gooders and often does a lot of not-for-profit work as well, it's worth saying, Sarah. Some really interesting charity uh, clients that you've worked with on where to start right from the beginning in digital transformation. So it's great to have you in the podcast today and giving some insights and your experience on some of those things. Simon. Hi everyone, I'm Simon Loss. I'm a principal consultant here, specializing really in customer experience as well as Sarah, but also our business architecture approaches and how we shape the right technology and structures behind the business strategies that we're defining and working with our clients on. I've worked in consulting for about 14 years now. Great to have Simon here with us as well, who uh, hasn't been at Clarisys too long, but already is making a big impact with some of the techniques that Simon uses to really understand and analyze businesses, business architecture side, as Simon says, with a view on customer. So some great perspectives that we've got today. So we're going to talk to you a little bit about how to consider the business in a digital transformation. So I guess the first place to start is, do you have a vision? How do we ensure guys that we can make sure that the business vision is something which a digital transformation can use or utilize as a starting point, do you think? Yeah, I guess to your point, Tom, first of all, is actually, do you have a vision as an organization? I think some of our bigger enterprise global companies hopefully do have a vision and that's a good starting point. I'd say from my experience, actually working with a lot of the not-for-profits, it's making sure actually is the starting point that people understand what that vision is and there is alignment across the organization really on terms of what does that mean and what are you then trying to achieve and once you've got that clarity you can then start actually breaking that vision down into what are your objectives and your results so they're quite tangible on the ground and then using that to identify how can transforming in a digital way actually support that vision so I think it depends where you are in your maturity in terms of do you have a really really clear vision that everyone is bought into and they're working towards or actually is that the first step on this digital transformation journey. I'd agree on that. And I think there's something quite important here around making sure that that definition of a vision has a people focus and that involves either having that customer focus or talking in the language of the people in your organization. Because I think I've found that when you have that angle to a vision, it becomes automatically more meaningful. People get it a lot faster. They can relate to it quicker. Customer tends to enable you to help the whole business see why it's important, but also when you have maybe quite complex businesses and that might be far removed, having the employee angle to that vision and breaking it down both in terms of how we're going to improve as a business, but also how is it going to relate to me personally, whether I am someone who's striving to improve a customer experience or I am someone who's trying to run the business better. 
I think hugely accelerates then that understanding and the ability to get quickly to objectives that mean something that can be turned into results. I find so often if you don't do that bit, you sometimes lose that meaningfulness quite quickly. Yeah, and I think actually that's a really good point, Simon, in terms of a tool that I've used with some clients is a vision tree exercise. So actually being able to visually see this is the overall company vision and how does that translate to what am I doing on the ground operationally? Some of the KPIs that we're measuring ourselves, how does that link together? Because if you don't have that, it's quite difficult for people to really buy in and see what impact they're having and how that's contributing to the wider organisation. I think I agree with your point, especially though, on the purposefulness of your transformation as well. So let's say we've got a scenario where our ERP solution is a little outdated and it needs replacing. And that's the scene in which it, it's been set and how you're working compared to, let's say, you want to reduce the amount of effort that the organization takes in its operational back office processes so that it can focus more on frontline customer facing efforts. That would be a much more empowering reason than we're replacing it because it's broken. Even though in reality, you are kind of replacing it because it's broken, but you can see how it relates. I think that's obviously often forgotten that people-centered, customer-centered angle as well. So yeah. Totally agree on that. Also, it's nice in an ideal world where you can start from the beginning. So I think you've had some examples of that, so some not-for-profits. Let's say we are in an ideal world and we are starting kind of from the beginning. How would you see that breaking down to, to become a digital strategy? Yeah, it's been really, really interesting and fun, I guess, working with some of our not-for-profit clients. But the start of their digital transformation journey, I think, first of all, it's as we were talking about, actually, what is the overall vision the organization wants to achieve? And then to your point, Tom, there, what are you trying to deliver for your customers? Customer in a broader sense here is what experience are you trying to actually provide to them and why? How does that link to your overall vision, purpose as a company? I think a lot of the time we see clients come at this purely from a technology point of view. So we'll put in a technology that will solve all our problems, whilst in reality, there's a lot of other questions that you need to ask. And there's a misperception as well that a digital transformation is purely technology. There's a load of different elements to it, of which we've spoken about kind of your vision, your values, looking at the customers, looking at the people in your business as well, and what do they need to make their lives easier. So I think first of all, it's, yeah, get that vision and also understand what does transforming digitally mean to you as a business? It depends completely in the context of what you're trying to achieve. We often do an exercise, which is looking at a high level across your kind of vision, your people, your process, customer, tech, and data, trying to benchmark, well, where are you now? Are you purely at an operational level? And are you trying to fully transform to be digital in everything you truly do? And you need to start questioning, do you actually need to be completely 100% digital to achieve your objectives and do you need to invest money, resource to be able to do it or to your organisation is going from paper to system good enough or do you want to be using kind of RPA and artificial intelligence as that's what's going to be the key change within your organisation. I think just understanding what does digital mean is probably one of the first starting points and also having that alignment across your exec leadership team as well. I think that is such a common challenge I've seen as well and I think one thing I've lent on quite a lot in trying to navigate the complexity of that question, because if we take, for example, oh, should we become completely digital? Should we use automation versus paper? People can sometimes forget what they're trying to actually be famous for or do effectively. So 
I use capability modeling quite a lot in those scenarios because what you can then look at is, okay, we have a capability which is maybe managing new subscriptions. We could do that a multitude of ways. We could have a lot of people who are doing that for us using quite simple process methods or simple approaches, or we spend the time and the money and the investment to make that more automated so we can free up those people, as you were saying, to then do other things. But there may be a point in the journey where the company's like, this is a really important thing for us. And if we take six to 12 to 18 months to get the automation done, we still need to have that capability in place now to meet our vision. And I think what's helpful is I found when you talk in capabilities, you end up with a scenario where there's a lot more holistic conversation going on where you're thinking, okay, well, we've got a team of 10 people at the moment. We need to reduce that really, but we also want to be famous for how easy it is to subscribe. And we also want to have a journey where we are removing those people bit by bit to be able to do other things. And I find that when you talk in that capability lens, you get that kind of conversation at a more 3D level than maybe, oh, we need to just improve and be more digital. That's the answer. Because it may go the other way as well in some instances where you decide to just downgrade a bit of the complexity of your technology because you don't need that. And it saves time and training and the energy and investment and constant upgrading. And you go, you know what, we're going to move to a more simple approach here because we're not famous for, let's say, subscriptions. We're famous for another part of our business now because we've changed the way we're moving. I think that's a really interesting point, Simon. And I think coming at it from a capability lens, you put it in a language where people in the business understand what you're talking about, but it also, it's that bridge between this is the customer experience we're trying to deliver, the journey we want our customers to go on to, well, how do we actually make that happen in the business? So I think that's, yeah, it's a really important lens to come at it from is that capability of you. And I think there's that level of maturity being easier to translate into what are we going to be famous for or what are our customers going to say? I think that also helps you then go, okay, we want our customers to say it was flawlessly easy to do this with them rather than, oh, it's really painful to do a particular step, let's say, in a buying cycle or in a, in a future sort of subscription area, let's say. And I think that's where you can end up with that individual story being quite easy to articulate and then test and validate as well. And I think that's the key thing to keep on doing is constantly checking where you are on that. We've also been talking about an ideal situation here where we've started top down. So we're defining strategy and we break that down. Quite commonly, we see, particularly with larger organizations, actually it's the opposite. So let's say I live in the quoting team and I've decided that my process is really inefficient and I send a business case to upgrade my area. So I guess you guys are kind of talking around this theme, which is if everyone decides to digitally transform, how does that wrap up into a coherent strategy that delivers something of value to the customer? Often gets forgotten or it gets assumed that somebody's doing that at board level, but actually there isn't the process in place or the governance in place to actually ensure that. You are thinking about the impact to your customer journey in general. So yeah, I, I guess that that viewpoint is how do you consider impact customer value to business and prioritize things against each other is a really important kind of rule or set of principles to have. Yeah, and I think as well to that point in terms of the prioritization, regardless of if it's being driven from board level down or it's, you know, within a particular business unit or team where you're thinking about digital, you have to also ask yourself some difficult questions in terms of what are we going to stop doing that we're doing today or what are we going to pause? Because in reality, you can't do everything. The progress that you make is going to be a lot slower versus if you strategically think actually if we prioritize these one or two initiatives we're going to be able to get pace and move in the direction we want and I think that's also something we found as well with a lot of the clients we work with is just having that honest conversation to say 
it's fine to stop doing what you're doing if it's not adding any value or actually from a customer point of view, it's not going to give anything else to them. I think there's a perception and also an emotional attachment to if you start doing something, you want to complete it and want to be able to see that value. But actually, in reality, it's not always the best thing to be doing. So, yeah, I think it's asking yourself those difficult questions and being confident to say, actually, let's stop doing it. It's not going to help anybody in terms of from a customer point of view or to the business. And I think there's something quite powerful when you take the time to consolidate all of those ideas. So you mentioned that if they want to improve their particular area and then another group within the company also wants to improve an area, how do you then translate that to then a meaningful conversation when they're looking at very different things? It's not been the same drum, but looking at that capability, you can then have a much more cohesive discussion and going, right, okay, well, if we're going to start leaning into improving our quoting process, let's say, there's going to be overlaps to the parts that we will naturally improve that would help this team and that team. So if you are okay, team B, let's say, we will prioritize this because you're going to get the benefit of getting better quotes, better prices coming to you. So you can then manage that cycle of taking them and making them into the sales that you want without having us to do everything in parallel at first. And then also equally, you could say, well, is that the most important part of our business? And having that quite constructive conversation when you go, well, actually the overlaps between sales and marketing are more considerable in this area. And we should therefore focus on that first because there's double benefit there. And I think that also helps again because you get that more of a buy-in in quite complicated transformation decisions because people are playing the trade-offs that everyone has to at the, the top level maybe but in a more collaborative way and it helps people understand these difficult decisions that's going to be made in a, in a dark room somewhere and then people just feel like they're never getting what they want whereas actually what's happened is probably a thousand decisions and trade-offs have been made by maybe a technology team or the business transformation team and they're now communicating it and that can impact later down the line the way that then people feel bought in or not in that transformation decision. I think that's um, a really, really interesting point, Simon, in terms of not doing it in a room locked away from everyone who's actually part of the transformation. It's really important to actually be able to include whoever this transformation is going to impact, which is realistically going to be all your customers and it's going to be everybody in inside your business unit, your team, your organization, however wide you're doing this. It's really important to actually include them from the very beginning in terms of I guess it's more of that kind of outside in approach opposed to inside out which I guess is quite common from archaic types of transformations. If some of our listeners here are thinking okay I, I need to get aligned my, my digital transformation isn't aligned to my business strategy what steps would we recommend that we take them through do you think? So I think the obvious one that we highlighted would be to try and map what that vision looks like from your perspective in your business capabilities in the overall current state that you are sitting within, I suppose, and then looking at the gaps against that. And that's where Sarah sort of highlighted to start getting clarity about the real objectives for that particular transformation is going to be, because it's all about the time period that you're looking across, because obviously your vision is going to be hopefully quite big in terms of where you want to get to. And you need to therefore break that down into manageable slices that you can then use to drive out more meaningful results over the course of a, a tangible time period. I think the second thing I'd really highlight, and it's something that struck me when you were saying earlier about customers being involved. I think the best trick in the book I've ever seen used is, and it sounds so simple when you say it, it's just start talking to customers about what they think about that vision and also what they think about what you should do first, because you sometimes can find it will get rid of the most complex, most heated arguments internally when a customer goes, oh, that's not important. This is, why are you not focusing on that first? Because at the moment I'd go to this competitor of yours because it's much easier to deal with them when it comes to this particular aspect of your business compared to another 
maybe it's about how easy it is to get engaged with them or start a new new product with them or something like that or it could be it's just difficult to get hold of you that kind of thing can very quickly reorientate i suppose the arguments to be much more meaningful again to being okay we need to focus on that first because that's going to keep our loyal customers and potentially get some new ones and i think having that voice of a customer throughout this whole transformation sort of strategy whatever you want to call it is always a more powerful trick than I think many of the businesses I've worked with will ever appreciate until you start using it. When I was a little baby consultant back in my early consulting career, one of my clients had a customer chair and someone would represent the voice of the customer. Some research would have been done and they were the one who was holding that, oh, hold on, hang on, let me see this snippet. This is what the customer might think about this. So it takes it away from opinions and brings the customer's voice into that decision-making forum in reality. Um, as well. So that's quite cool. I'd recommend, um, I've seen that work at other customers since then as well, really effectively. Yeah, I really like that. I was going to say as well, in terms of practical steps of what listeners could do as well, I think it's, first of all, just understanding actually, where are you today? So that can often be overlooked because there might be an individual has who has an experience of for example, a lot of the clients I've worked with were very paper-based, worked in silos, that sort of thing. And if you are working in a silo, you're very unaware of what's going on outside of your team. So you need to have that awareness of, for example, I might be great. I'm on a Salesforce or Dynamics, whatever it may be. I know how I'm doing my job, but actually the department next to me might be using paper. So it's really understanding where are you using starting point and then once you have that vision that we talked about, just starting to break it down. So actually, what are the key step changes or what are the key stages you need to go through to achieve it? And then start thinking about how can you start making a difference, get value quite quickly. Once again, a digital transformation sounds scary. It sounds like it's going to be this big thing, which is going to take years and years. Whilst in reality, there will be some small quick wins that start turning the dial. And I think we're very much big advocates in terms of just starting to test things early um, and iterating so that once again you're seeing improvements in the business and you're seeing improvements to your end customers as well so it's how can you start almost like how can you break down your for example some of the customers i work with they put a brand new crm in and if you were to just do it classic kind of waterfall that is going to take quite a while and it's probably not going to be at the end what you actually want it to be either so it's how do you start breaking that down whether that is taking your highest priority customers and using it for them or it's by department or it's by product there's lots of different ways that you can slice the digital transformation you just need to figure out what works best for you as a business and just to build on that sarah i think there's another point i'd highlight that when it comes to mapping the current state because you talked about how important that is and i think one of the most simple but again overlooked things is mapping your customer journeys really helps you align all your business around one central flow and there may be many journeys there may be different types of customers but i found that when you spend the time doing that you find those moments where the team's like oh you do that using that system we interact with customers using this system or you can ask the same question go okay this journey it goes across one customer's maybe year in the life of with you or a particular purchase or something like that and you notice suddenly that four different teams are going to different places for the same information about that customer or have been doing things very differently, even though it's the same individual being interacted with. And that, again, fast tracks this understanding of where we've got overlaps, where we've got mismatches, misunderstandings, that people can get that commonality across that to really understand the current world. And I find that sometimes that's what is overlooked is people all think they understand their current world the best because, of course, they're doing their job every day. Mm -hmm. 
And if you are someone who is in sales, it's very difficult to know really what a marketing person needs every day and whether they have or have not got what they need until you start seeing that same customer you are then dealing with being interacted with by a different team in a certain way and then having a different experience with you, different experience with the next team, fulfillment and so on. And that helps give you that, oh, okay, this is our current world and I now get why you do that and why you need this or I now understand why that customer is unhappy at that point. I used to think it was just because Michael wasn't doing his work or something, <laughs> but actually it's the system or it's the process that we've got built. And I think that's that's then helps you carry forward into seeing how you're nudging that journey and maybe the small changes and then the big changes that will then elevate or extremely increase the value or, or decrease the time it takes. Yeah, I was actually going to say something really powerful that's worked in terms of playing about what's happening at the moment is almost just on on a page showing to your point earlier, Simon, around capabilities. It's almost being able to show, you know, for sell marketing service, what what kind of tech landscape is going on at the moment. I remember putting something in front of an exec team where there was probably 50, 60 systems and 30 of them were so-called CRMs and just being able to say, actually, you know what, kind of doing a classic rag status of, you know, not fit for purpose to actually it's fine, keep this and just being able to have a single view of this is your tech landscape and why the hell do you have 8, 10, 12 different CRMs when you've got one type of customer? It's, it's quite powerful just to be able to tell that story to people who aren't techies. They don't understand it, but it's quite a simple way just to get them bought into it. We actually need to do something here as well. I think that the prioritization part we're talking about here is, is good as well, because you see all of this stuff I need to change. And I liken this a little bit like when it's January time, you're looking at yourself and you're like, right, I need to get fit. I need to stop drinking. I need to give up smoking. I need to work on my relationships. I need to be better at work. And you try and do all of those things. And then you kind of half do all of those things. And then actually you just slip back into old ways. That's a little bit like thinking about like, you've got all of this stuff that's broken. You can try and fix it all, and some organizations do do that successfully, but you'll be more effective if you focus. So let's pick the areas of focus. And if you have those areas that cut through functions and across journeys, which tie people together, then that's also an effective way of delivering change across the organization instead of being like, right, we'll do the sales bit first, and then we'll do the finance bit, and then we'll do the marketing bit, and seeing it siloed like that. So yeah, yeah, I like that. It's good to see what you've got, as in like, what the mess you need to fix potentially, but also being pragmatic in focus and prioritization, I think is quite important. So you don't just start a load of things and have to stop a load of things later, which we see quite often. I think that builds on that point of trying to remind yourselves, what are we trying to be famous for in this phase or in the next phase? It helps you kind of articulate the transformation in, a, again, a meaningful way, but you can then go, okay, that's going to be much more impactful because those four things improving, although they aren't the entirety of sales, but are maybe across a number of things which you would look at them individually be like that's small can actually then change the lever from a customer's perspective so dramatically that they're like oh wow they're amazing for this particular type of person or customer that you're trying to target will go oh yeah they've now got this really unique approach that no one else does in this particular um, industry area because they focus on the needs of that particular person and it can help you give those famous stories that drive both the ongoing change drive and and, and prevents that Oh, let's just go back to old ways feeling you mentioned Tom, but that's where I think it's important to highlight those journeys and make them more experiential. So you have that, oh, we can make a real case behind these that everyone can get on board with. I think the other thing I was just going to bring up that I think is important when you're going on those journeys and you mentioned it a few times, I think both of you is that testing and learning. And I think being more experimental about the approach you take to changing 
your world when it comes to digital is ever more important because we just don't know what kind of capabilities technology is going to bring in the next six months, 12 months, let alone two years. And the worst thing you can do is assume you will know all of that now and then miss a massive trick later down the line where you could fast track something you thought was going to be a nine month project because there's been a new part of a solution released or actually you can now do that through analytics or automation. But then the challenge with that is then you can kind of be a kid in the candy shop scenario where you're like, I want to have everything now. But again, it's experimenting which ones work and which ones don't work and not being afraid to do that with a customer lens. So dare I say it, going out and actually testing some of this stuff with customers helps you then work out whether it's going to change the dial from their perspective. Even if it is from your perspective, it may not for them and vice versa. And so it's a helpful thing to keep trying to package your vision and the way you've transformed that into being stages or phases or different things you're trying to change into experiments as well. Okay, how are we going to constantly test this part? How are we going to make sure we're doing it the right way? How are we going to validate that? And not being afraid to do that continuously and having every single person experimenting and teching and then changing and saying, that's not working. This is, let's go with that. That's essential, I think, to the success these days. Uh, another kind of thought process and consideration, I'll relate this to life again, um, is considering things as a journey, not a destination. So like often you become happier in your life if you think about like, I'm not trying to get here and then here and then here, but you're experiencing the kind of journey. I think that's very similar in digital transformation as well. People are like, right, oh, I'll do the digital transformation and then I'll do the something else and I'll come back and I'll do the digital transformation again. That actually is ever changing. You're constantly digitally transforming. So understanding of having an ability to keep being like, well, we fixed that, now we'll fix this, and then we'll come back to that, and then we'll do a bit of this as a constant, ever-going thing, which for many is a mind shift change away from a project program way of looking at the world to a product continuous improvement innovation view of the world, which is much more common with many of our clients now in that mindset and way of thinking. You don't implement a CRM, leave it, and then come back and implement another CRM anymore. You continuously develop a product using best practice out of the box standards, which is a bit of a different way of thinking of things as well. So I think like, it's important to see this exercise is not like a one-off. This is a constant thing. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point because it, it all ties back to, you know, we talked about the customer experience. What are you trying to deliver? Um, that is always going to evolve, right? It's similar. People go into a, a customer experience program and they say, we'll be done in two years. It is a change in mindset. Your customer needs are always going to change. And you look at the likes of Amazon and you look at the likes of Apple and, you know, the companies who have been able to keep up with what customers needs or, you know, the newer, smaller companies which have grown exponentially, like your Ubers, for instance, they've really understood what your customer needs are versus some other companies which haven't been able to survive just because they've not been able to continuously change based on what's happening around them so yeah i think it's a really really good point that it's not a single moment in time or it's not just a two-year program it is and that's the bigger conversation in terms of culturally what needs to happen in your organization to enable that it's like being netflix don't be blockbuster that kind of thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i think you know, i was just thinking back to your point of taking a journey tom and i think it's the first time i'd recommend taking as many stops on your flight as you could because you want to be able to get off and change your flight to a different one rather than getting this beautiful first class all around the world ticket that's only going to stop once at where you're getting to i think it's helpful in this case to actually say get the cheaper ones that take a little bit more time <laughs> so you can then get on another one that then takes you a different place because you then recognize actually our destination is changing constantly and i think 
mean, that's a bit like that analogy, but I think it also highlights that difference between the old, old approach where you say, we know where we want to get to. It's just about how fast we get there and make sure that's as quick as possible and as nice as possible. So classic first class fast flight compared to now where people are much more aware that we don't really know where we want to go, but we just want to get on a plane and we want to start exploring the world. I'm talking as if we can all fly around the world at the moment, but one day we will be able to do this as much as hopefully we can in our minds. I agree the, the concept of don't fly to Australia and then realize that you actually need to go to Calcutta or something. So I agree with that concept. How would you know when to change? What kind of boundaries are you saying to know that you should pivot or change? How might you do that? I think there's, again, it comes back to the two factors we've set up at the beginning, which is you've got a vision that hopefully has been translated to a level that you can then evaluate against. So you can say, are we on the right direction? Do our customers still want this? Do we still feel that this is important or has technology now shifted the dial or have we found a way to fast track this and actually we've already achieved what we thought was gonna take us longer. So now let's readjust and it could be a small adjustment or it could be your customers are very different now. You suddenly found this new group of customers that you want to then meet the needs of who expect a lot more digital savviness, let's say, or vice versa, right? Maybe a slower customer doesn't need that. I think it's that constant point of going, okay, building into your plan, how are we going to check, test and reshape? I think is a key thing. I think there's many ways you could do that. But that would be my first sort of starting point was be looking at how you've broken down the problem in the first place and making sure you go back and revisiting and checking your initial inputs are still valid. I think as well as that point, there might be big things, right? So like COVID being the obvious one, probably thrown out so many plans and that's fine. You've got to be comfortable with the fact things are going to change, but you've got to be set up in the right way to enable you to be able to change quickly and quite flexibly. So yeah, I think it's that's that point about it's ever evolving. So you need to be able to understand actually just how you go on your journey opposed to always focusing on getting to Australia. I think that's where it is important to take time out to work out what your key indicators are of success. So what is it you're going to be measuring and having those agreed upfront, it then means if you're starting to see that you're deviating from those in your current world, or maybe the, the world itself has deviated so much that that becomes a less important KPI, at least you can go back to that and measure your current success where you are against, or at least what you think your overall business case is going to bring is real still. And I think that's the important thing is getting those metrics aligned to those capabilities and those journeys or experiences you're trying to drive gives you then more credibility when you are changing a decision. Because I think that's the challenge you sometimes hit with this is, you know, it's not right anymore, but it's very hard to articulate it without having some kind of data, whether that's inputs from customers telling you, no, that's not right anymore. Or it's inputs from your business saying, okay, we aren't spending that much money on our costs as we thought we would to do this process. So therefore, actually, we don't need to worry about spending a fortune on a new system to do that because we've actually measured this over the last six months and found different data. So those kind of points changes it from being just a theoretical thinking or an, an idea to being something that can be supported and then taken to sign off, which we all have to go through. I think as well on that point, actually, it's really important to think about who is accountable for things, because I think you can sometimes land on, well, it's a digital transformation, it's a CTO, it, everything sits within them. But we've talked a lot today about how it's just, it goes beyond the technology. So thinking about how everyone plays their role in the transformation as well is really important. And that will obviously help with the buy-in and bringing people on the journey that it's not just seen as the technology department are going to be doing everything. Yeah. And I think having the objectives and vision that are more related to customer behavior makes it easier to feel like you can switch. When someone says something like, we're going to increase the 
the engagement of the sales team with our CRM platform um, and the number of conversations that sales had. That is a good target and it's a fair target. You can get a little bit narrow-minded in trying to keep going off that objective where your actual objective is probably to have richer conversations with customers, which result in highest deal size or more deals or selling more of this product and less of this other one. And that's like a secondary effect of a better CRM. But having that traceability means that you can kind of change your like, okay, actually it doesn't matter if salespeople use the CRM because we've worked out some like automation. So actually they don't need to be in the CRM, but we can still achieve the goal. So yeah, it's really important. I guess that goal is more customer business focused and not make a tech more usable being the objective, even though that is obviously a nice target to have as well, but it's not the, the be all and end all. Yeah, definitely. And I think the importance of that shared goal is really, really valuable because if you had something around reducing churn of your customers, you want to reduce it for, I don't know, 15 to 10% for that year, which is probably quite ambitious. It's what role does everyone actually play in doing that? And then you start to get that kind of cross collaboration across the organization, opposed to it being seen as a sales target or a marketing target. It made me think then it's no surprise that having come from a world of retail and consumer, we spent years talking about channel transformations. So multi-channel becoming their nominally channel, then becoming digital transformations. And it's now customer transformations that we talk about. And there's a reason for that is because of, I think, as you say, that's that nature of you suddenly become a, oh, with the online transformation team. And actually what you're trying to do is transform the way you're interacting with customers, not just how their online interactions are changing. Well, I think we'll probably finish there. Just to summarize a little bit of what we've spoken about. So really important that you do look at the business vision in sight of the customer, making sure that it considers like the impacts on their journey. And at the start, make sure that's broken down. It's not siloed though. So it's broken down by how the customer interacts and not necessarily by the areas. You will of course have a bottom up essence to that vision in some ways, but in ensuring that there's a voice of the customer to ensure that aligns back. We then talked a little bit about how it's delivered. I think there's general consensus here that iterative is important. So um, making sure that you don't try and transform everything and focus on the areas that are of most value, which in an ideal world is related to your customers. Ensuring that you understand the level of maturity as well of what you can change. You can't change everything. Where are the areas that will deliver the most value? And then towards the end, we started talking about how do we know we're on the right track? So defining measures, metrics that relate to end results rather than interaction improvements, such as how many times a salesperson uses a platform, but more so the end goal you want to achieve, which probably is retention or renewal or something like that. So thank you so much for uh, giving your insights, Sarah and Simon. Hopefully we'll welcome you back for another podcast at some point soon, but I've certainly enjoyed myself and I hope you have as well. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you listeners for listening and we look forward to welcoming you on another episode of CH Talks.